to the Latin American and Iberian Art Zone podcast. My name is Patricia Caicedo. I'm in Barcelona. And today we have a very nice guest, Eugenia Forteza. Welcome, Eugenia. Hi, Patricia. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm very excited about having you because you, we know each other since years ago. And I want people to know a little bit more about you and we can tell them how we met, etc. So, first of all, where were you born and when did you start studying music? So, I was born in Paris, France. Um, my parents are Argentinian and um, they both had ties to France. Um, and at a certain point, they, they moved there for work and they stayed there uh, for 10 years and my sister and I were born there. Um, but when I was pretty young, um, around four years old, they decided to move back to Argentina. So I grew up mostly uh, in Argentina, though we went back and forth a lot during the summer vacations. And I attended the French Lycée in Buenos Aires. So I very much had a bicultural, bilingual education. Um, with France and Argentina. So your parents are musical or they have affinity for arts and music. How was it that we started with music? Yeah, um, not really, you know. I mean, my dad, they both love music. Um, my dad loves music. Uh, he did have sort of a band, I think, at some point. I don't, I'm not clear on that story. Um, my mom is, she studied economics um, but then um, discovered her true passion, which is um, painting. So she's a, a visual artist. The most. How was music? How went? At what age were you when? So I started guitar lessons when I was around eight, I think. Um, I really wanted to play the piano, but there was no piano around, you know. And there had been my great-grandmother was an excellent pianist but somehow that piano had been given away oh I'm not, no i'm not happy about that story but later when i was around eight ten then later when i started singing and and having these lessons um it was at the same time that all these shows were on tv like pop stars and the spice girls and i was so into that and I started singing, but my voice had a very obvious um, classical sound in it, a classical quality. And um, also at that point, there was this um, like child classical singer. She was British, uh, Char Charlotte Church. Yes, and, yeah. And for me, you know, it was like, oh, here's another girl who's sort of my age who sounds like this and sings this repertoire and so I started you know learning the songs from her album and I started learning some classical musical theater and all of this throughout I would say my early teens and um in Buenos Aires there's a really good musical theater school uh the Julio Boca musical theater school uh, Julio Boca and Ricky Pascos so I started doing that you know building my dance skills my theater skills um, but it wasn't until later in my teens, like 17, once you have to start thinking what you want to do with your life, that I, I realized that 
you know, I was very much uh, into this whole music business, but I hadn't had any formal training really. Um, you know, it had all been very like superficial a bit, I would say. So that's when I realized I was like, okay, I need to learn how to read music. I need to, you know, be in a choir, develop um, a, a different level of skills. Um, and so I started attending a conservatory. You yeah. choose as a career when you just chose for university. What career? Did well, I wasn't convinced yet, you know, because I was a very good student, and my school was very academia based really you know it wasn't they weren't really pushing people to be athletes or artists or well, because um, the preconception that associates academia only with the exactly. not arts mm -hmm. which is a mistake because we know the student it should be a musician should be also a very good student and a very disciplined person absolutely and that Exactly. I mean, you bring up this point that uh, that was never an option in my I, path, right? Um, because there is this preconception that in which music is, or if there was, hopefully it, this is changing, music is not a career to follow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it wasn't, you know, because I'm very lucky that my parents were super supportive and any interest that I had, you know, they, they would do anything to, to give me a chance to try it. I but met your parents. I you met my friends. <laughs> but yeah, when you see, I had never thought of this like this. Well, uh, when you see my path and the system, let's say to call it that way. Yeah. Here's a young person who's just, just by chance interested in classical music and music um, and is a very good student, but there was no option for that young person to study music from uh, an academic perspective. But at what, uh, what year are we talking about? Because in So I graduated high school um, 2000, December of 2007. Um, and this is, so that's where I, you know, I had, I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but. 2007, that's interesting because I mean, it's not long ago. It's very recent. Uh, there was already the, this very good conservatoire um, music school in Buenos Aires, El Carlos López Buchardo. And there is a tradition of training opera mm -hmm. singers in, in Buenos Aires. So ex it exists. It, ex it existed, but probably in the minds of, of on your mind, your parents or the environment that surrounded you, that was not the path to follow. Well, it was. Or a legitimate in a way. Right. Well, it was eventually because my, so my teacher that I was studying with um, at the private conservatory taught at the Carlos Lopez Huchardo Conservatory, which is the only place where you can get a a music university degree, except for one university, one other university that has a composition uh, career. But if you want to perform, there's some conservatories that have a grado terciario, it's like a pre-university degree. But well, of course, with my background, like, you know, I wanted a university degree. 
So that was the only option. But of course, with my background, I graduated high school and as much as I wanted to be a performer, um, you know, I did have other interests, but I think unconsciously, you know, the system had prepared me to like, not only do music because- so <laughs> that happened to me because when I finished, but I'm talking about many years before you, because and things have changed. I, I would expect that by 2007, things would change, but it's interesting. Um, for sure, there are people who still today, 2021, they they don't consider music or an uh, artistic path as a professional path. And that would be important yeah. for them if some if somebody is hearing to this. Yeah. But yes, it's a professional path because when I graduated high school and I had been singing and studying music at the conservatory since I was five, <clears throat> I never considered music as a career. And also my family's mind or parents, that was not a career. No, you study a career, so I studied medicine. Uh -huh. And it was there, but I was studying medicine because that's a career. Yeah. But you and you at the end, you, you end up in what your passion and heart is. Yeah, well, what happened with me is that um, everyone suggested I studied literature, which I really liked. So basically, um, I graduated high school and I started a career in literature, but I was also doing um, the musical theater school and also the conservatory. <laughs> I was preparing to get to enter the conservatory. I lasted two months in that literature de degree. <laughs> I hated it. Um, th this is, here's, you know, in, uh, we can get to that later, but there's not um, a, as many options as in, our, in Argentina and I'm sure in other Latin American countries to study when you're not someone who's in a box, there's not as many options as there are, for example, in the United States. And here for me, it was this um, situation where the things that I wanted to study, um, I only had one option. You finish any degree? Yes, so well, <laughs> this was a whole year of just trying things. So no, no literature degree. I entered the conservatory in Buenos Aires and I was still doing the musical theater school. Um, and when I entered, and that whole year, I had always had a dream of uh, having a college experience in the States because it was something so drastically different to the kind of the education I had had. The French education is very particular, um, same with Argentinian education. And I had always had that dream. And as I made this decision of dedicating my life to the arts, uh, I kind of started realizing, you know, what better uh, chance to, you know, take a, a step even further and go study in the States, the land of musical theater and, and of opportunities. And, uh, you know, and this was a dream I had even before I knew I wanted to study music. So you know, and how was it? Where did you end it? So I went to the States. <laughs> where? Where? At which so I ended up in Philadelphia at Temple University, <laughs> and I started my undergrad there. Uh, I was 19, so it's not. It seems like a lot of time, but I, it's only like one year. You started. 
one year after high school where I needed to do some soul searching and I did it. <laughs> so I moved to the States by myself at 19. Um, and I was in Philly. And then after my undergrad, I started a master's at NEC in Boston. Then I oh, trans- Wait, wait, that um, undergrad that master was in? Music. Music. So now- Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah now- <laughs> And so who were, and your instrument was voice, imagine. Yes. Who were your teachers? So my teacher in undergrad was uh, Brandy Marazzo. And uh, she really, um, we really clicked in that I didn't like singing what everyone else was singing. And she has, um, a really great talent for, uh, she has an organization where she does this um, to program unconventional repertoire, you know? So it was a very good match on that end that she allowed me to, you know, really sing what I wanted and things that were outside of the box in, in that environment, you know, undergrad in Philadelphia. So you started in Philadelphia tonight, 2009? Nine? Yes. Nice. So nine guessing nine. Yeah. So when you came, I'm just trying to make all yeah. these all these pieces because we met in 2014. No, when, yeah. when you came to participate at the Barcelona Festival of Song. So at that yeah. time, and I forgot to tell that you are here as a um, an ambassador of the Barcelona Festival of Song because you are an, an alumni of the Barcelona Festival yeah. of Song. We met when you came in 2014. That was the 10th anniversary of the festival. That was yeah. a super special year. So by that time, you had finished already your undergraduate. I was in my. I was doing my graduate degree at Rutgers University in New Jersey. Okay. So and so how now that you see you say that. Okay, I was interested in repertoires that are not the conventional ones. So th that's how you landed in the Latin American art song. How was it? Yeah. So, well, I had already um, in Argentina. I went. I was studying voice, and I was already my teacher in Buenos Aires, Ana Maria Osorio. Um, she had already introduced me to some of uh, this Latin American art song repertoire. So I was singing uh, some Ginastera and some Guastavino songs, which at the, and yes. the stories of the art song. Yes, I have to say in the, the conservatory in Buenos Aires, they do very much, um, it, it is a part of the curriculum, this, this Latin American repertoire. So I was already singing uh, some of these songs from a young age and um, in undergrad, I think that's when I was, it went a step further and I started to be more exposed to Iberian Spanish repertoire from Spain. Um, and that's when I worked on the Siete Canciones Populares, Españolas. Um, and I and I continued um, working on the Guasavino songs and my teacher very much liked this repertoire and she, um, she allowed me to 
to explore that and I use it for some of my juries and everything so and how was the reception or also how did you feel when you because your mother tongue is Spanish so how was the relationship with this repertoire in contrast with the repertoire that we have to sing in Italian, French, and English that you were doing mm -hmm. how, how is that relationship? Yeah well for for me i'm a big language person uh so i i feel pretty comfortable in in singing in in every language uh i started singing in russian this year it's definitely the hardest one um but italian german um you know i studied a lot of german in undergrad so it was a language that i was starting at that point so diction language wise i was comfortable enough with any repertoire but um, exactly your point, you know, there was inevitably a different kind of connection uh, when I was singing repertoire in Spanish and French. Um, and emotions are linked to the mother tongue. Yes, and it's just I sing better. <laughs> I just sing better because. I think there's lots of layers uh, to that. Um, I'm very much into the psychology of singing. Um, and I think in the way the things, I, at least I think it's changing a little bit now, but when I was in school, you know, there was very much um, in opera, there's a little bit of this pressure of like style and tradition and you have to sing something a certain way and you have to sing, um, uh just the traditional repertoire because that's what they ask you in competitions because they want to be able to compare you which makes no sense for me because good singing is good singing and bad singing is bad singing it doesn't matter what you're singing you know and people shouldn't be familiar enough with a different range of repertoires to be able to evaluate your performance no matter what you're singing. So that's something I'm completely against. You know, something I think so many times is also from the teachers, jury's point of view, is more comfortable for them to always uh, hear or test or como se dice, evaluate, evaluate, yeah. evaluate the same things that they feel familiar because they already know the teaching, they already, wherever they know it, but when they they do things at the new repertoire, so they don't feel comfortable, and because it also obliges them to make a little bit of effort to move themselves from their comfort zone and probably learn a new dictions and new of new languages. Exactly. New so they don't want to fall out of their comfort zone. And the same happens um, not just with um, other styles and world music, but with contemporary music. I do a lot of contemporary music. And um, yeah, there's this fear from the panels, I guess, to not that because they, which it makes no sense to me, that because if they're not familiar with the repertoire, they can't evaluate you. And I disagree because if you're a good musician, um, and understand how the instruments work and the voice works, you can tell if something is well done or not well done. You can tell if something is moving you, which is the goal of any performance and uh, should be a part of the evaluation. Is this performance moving you or not? You or no, because something could be perfectly perfect, 
uh, technically. But I mean, you can have a recording or, or an instrument just playing uh, without words because we are about saying words. Yeah. Which makes the whole thing. Yeah. If you are just playing the violin with no words, it's just different. It's different than when you are trying to convey a message with words. That is our yeah. main thing. Absolutely. And well, and, and circling back to, to that question is for me, you know, um, not just because it's my um, Spanish is, it's actually my second <laughs> talk, but because I spent so much time there, you know, so it's part of me, it's part of who I am, it's part of what's inside of me. So and your mother tongue is, and your mother speaks, your father and mother speak in Spanish to you. So that, uh, yeah, that great yeah. connection that is unchangeable. I, I remember now I interviewed for other programs that I had a uh, brain researcher who does research on bilingual people, evaluating how is the connection with them with two languages and how they they do in different environments with different languages. And his findings that were published in the New York Times, they were I, while ago also he found that since only with your mother tongue you are connecting emotion and word only exclusively or you can speak 20 more languages very well but only with the tongue that you heard your parents speaking to you and trying passing more expressing emotion that's the the only tongue in which you can fully express yourself yeah imagine yeah and as performers i mean the whole point of performing is that you're giving a, a piece of your heart to the audience and you're sharing that moment so obviously if what you're singing is in the same language as what's inside of you um it's gonna make a difference and um since you know since undergrad because i i also programmed um so my senior recital was called Encanto Español. And uh, all my, my entire theme was Spanish music in different languages, but related to, to the Spanish style. And um, every time I sang that repertoire, people loved it, loved it, you know? And so I, yeah, I think it's changing a little bit now. It's becoming, um, you know, a little bit more uh, common to teach this in schools and to have it not be uh, some, you know, strange exotic music. Um, but but yeah, I think it should it should also. I think it's becoming a little bit more common in the art song world, but. It should also, you know, sarsuela and, and opera in Spanish. Um, I sing uh, Daniel Catan music. His music is absolutely gorgeous. And every time I, it's weird. Is every time I sing it, I sing it. People love the music and they're so surprised and amazed. But then at the same time, if I program it in an audition uh, list or I send it as a video for a competition or something, they don't choose it because they don't know what to do with it. So you and know that, what? that's what needs to change. That, but it, it, gradually, I mean, there are several factors that will 
uh, facilitate this incorporation of this repertoire. One of them is the fact that the uh, population of the US is changing rapidly and the Hispanic population is the biggest minority. And nowadays it's 18% of the population, more than 52 million of people. Mm -hmm. so, and it's growing. So the curriculum has, they have to reflect the population. So it will push the incorporation of this music sooner or later. Yeah. But yeah. Yes, I hope. Uh, I think so. No, yeah. no, I not only hope, I, I, this is uh, uh, just the numbers to speak for, yeah. for, for it. And, and we are, are seeing this, I mean, in recent years and now during the pandemic, I don't know if you notice Eugene, that uh, all these social accounts appear yeah. of Latina people. women Latina in opera. Yeah. I never saw this before. This is new. Yeah. This is new. Mm -hmm. Because I think, and this, this I think opens up an, an interesting point that, uh, I mean, I see this push for um, being united, you know, all of us Latinos, Hispanics, um, to, because, like, I, I love your new song, <laughs> America Mia. Um, yeah, how, you know, it's such a, a varied and, and rich continent with so many similar but different cultures. And what I think happens in the States is that all of a sudden, all of us, uh, you know, Latinos and, and Hispanics from all play all over the world come together and we connect and we start learning so much about our similarities and differences. And especially for me, you know, in especially with my background in, in Argentina, in a very European centric education, you know, in a French school, um, I had never really been exposed to this idea of Latinidad, you know, and, and I didn't, I hadn't even really ever thought about it. And also we are kind in Latin America, we are confined. I'm Argentina, I'm Colombia, yes. I'm Peruvian. You never feel that you are part of a bigger, bigger picture. Of Absolutely. So you are very different, but I think it, this is because we have had the opportunity of have, of being away abroad and having this view that is more like a landscape view from a, from afar, you yeah. can see things different. Yeah, and this, and what I love is this, is that we can be so different Yet we all realize, you know, at the end of the day that we have so many things in common and so many, there are deep, deep layers, you know, of how the things we, we believe in or how we communicate. And um, for me, being in the States, you know, and meeting, I have so many Puerto Rican friends and Mexican friends. And, and now you have a Colombian I have a Colombian husband now. <laughs> yeah. So it's for me, that journey is something that would have, I would have never experienced if I hadn't moved to the States. And it's just been, um, I have to say, one of the just biggest highlights and, and, and enriching experiences of my life as an artist. And a huge example is the Barcelona Festival of Song. When, when I went, I didn't know what to expect. I went by myself, you know. One question. How, was, how did you find about the Barcelona Festival of Song. I mean, because I, I, I ask this honestly, because I make 
big efforts um of course there at 2014 there were no instagram like it's today or whatever with this strength of the social networks and always my efforts to the internet but and as an isolated person trying to reach people there in the u.s so that, for me it was classical singer magazine Yay! Yeah, and I had, I think I had seen the, yes, <laughs> we love Classical Singer Magazine. <laughs> and uh, I think I had seen, I don't know if I saw it like a year prior and I had it in mind and then I decided in 2014 or if it was that year, you know, that I was looking for opportunities and I was like, okay, this is the year where I embrace that I love this repertoire and that I need to learn more, right? Because that's, if there's something we are good at and we like, we should become better at it. <laughs> Your parents, so beautiful. They support you in all these ideas and goals yes. and desires. And they came with you. I remember I met them. Yes. So, so in 2014, I went to Barcelona Festival of Song and that year, we had such an amazing group and there was this big group from Mexico and I'm, I still, Emiliano Zapata, I love him. Uh, we're still really good friends and uh, we talk all the time. And this summer for the I Love Night concert, we are able to collaborate virtually. And, and I hope it's the first of, of many collaborations we'll, we'll continue to do. And, you know, that was such a, it, it, a highlight of my life and such a great example for this, you know, a situation where I, you know, I was growing and learning with um, fellow Latin Americans and we just learned so much from each other's cultures. You know, they were teaching me Mexican slang and they were teaching, it was really and also there, there was a group of, I mean, US singers. Uh, yes. US singers and these it was first time that it came this group from Mexico. It was the first yeah. time. It was just luck. That yeah. Magic that this magic group. But also that year was very special because we were doing, I mean, pioneering and using this internet to technology. Yes. Putting together Brazil and Barcelona in these concerts, simultaneous concerts in Sao Paulo, Brazil and Barcelona with audience members and singers at the same time in both places making music that that was yeah ahead of its time it was amazing i was thinking about that this whole summer you know when we when everyone started doing these virtual concerts it's like we did this in 2014 in barcelona and i remember we had um, we did it twice. We did a concert, a masterclass and a concert. And we had a, the Brazilians in a huge screen. And I remember like it was yesterday, uh, I sang this song, uh, Velha Historia, I think. I, see, I love that song. And I, I just remember it so well. And yeah, you've been doing this for but a long I, time. That, that concert was really special because I remember this is surreal because the the screen was the size of the of the stage, huge stage. Yeah, like the size of that normal. I have stage. photos. Yeah, um, and I remember at the end of the the, the concert of the, the final concert of the festival, I always 
go on stage and start calling each one of the participants, giving you the diplomas. But this time there were participants in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and participants in real and virtual at the same time. So I was calling one real who came and one virtual, and I had one one from here, one from there, and at the, they came, and at the end we even zoomed together. You remember we zoomed the Azul now? Yes. The group? Yes, yes. No, no, yeah, that, was, that was an amazing experience. I, I mean, for me, yeah. every year is, is very special because I think that all the participants of the festival, people like you, are already very special people. Because they are not the average singer who conform with the canon as it is or the music. It, people who come are people who are open, open-minded, and people who are looking for other repertoires or that are willing to risk or learn more things. And also people from all ages, because there are many who are yeah. voice teachers at university. Yeah, yeah, so that's nice. I, I profoundly dislike competitions because I feel each one of us has a unique voice that is a unique moment of development, etc. So I said, never a competition. So this group, this course designed as for people of all ages, for me, is the idea. Yeah, and I remember that also being super eye-opening because it's a masterclass setting. So we're all there all day seeing each other together, seeing each other work, because I think you can learn so much from observing. And it was interesting to also observe uh, the point of view of a teacher, someone who is a professor and what they're looking to learn. You know, the questions that they ask, which might be very different than a young singer. Um, so I thought that was also a very interesting learning experience to get get a little bit of a view of, you know, at that point when I was still in school of how a professor thinks and how they, you know, then bring all of this back to their students to try to incorporate this repertoire. And um, yeah, I love that it was such a mixed group. You know that for me every year is a learning experience. I learn a lot. Although I'm the teacher, I'm learning a lot. And also when there are teachers at the beginning, years ago, I was a little afraid of coaching or teaching these super teachers who are much older than I am. But then uh, I always see them with such respect and admiration because I see how we can learn. We are eternal students and at any age, yeah. we are learning new things and open to to yes. comment, comments from others, and so that's beautiful. Absolutely, absolutely. And all the concerts, I think it was also, um, uh, it was wonderful for us as students to be learning all day and then at night have these concerts, you know, where we could see professionals applying what we were learning and performing and, um, it was just that I have the, the best memories from that summer. Remember the last night we went after the dinner singing at the streets? Yeah, oh yes, oh my God. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I had forgotten for a second. Yes, we were out, oh my God, we were out all night. 
And then, yeah, we were like in the middle of the street with the guitar still singing. Because nobody wanted to say goodbye. Because yeah. you know that next day, each one takes his or her own airplane and we will not see each other. And, and it's beautiful. And many friendships, friendships are born in these. Strong movie. friendships. Yeah, I remember. And I remember the morning after that, we slept like two hours and we had uh, to say goodbye. And it was, I remember. <laughs> Yes. So it was but beautiful. It was beautiful. But thanks to technology, you know, we're still uh, very much in touch. And yeah, and I hope, I mean, I hope we can all get together again in person. And I want to go back to Barcelona still. So yes, and I, I'm, I'm, I may do my best to keep this alive. Um, but now we mentioned something that is very important part of our life that is technology and social networks, because I mean, the festival wouldn't be possible. I mean, the whole concept of creating one person a festival in Barcelona of a repertoire that is unknown without the internet, it would be impossible. I mean, I thank every day for the existence of internet. Yeah. And, <laughs> yes, <laughs> allows us to do this and to encounter us now, we and us now, and you are doing a lot of things using social networks and you are an influencer of opera right now. So I want you to explain us a little bit. Yeah, so um, this came about, uh, you know, as one of the other things that I uh, observed a lot and, and learned from when I, once I moved to the States and really immersed myself in the music world and the opera world, um, I, you know, was um, super inspired and interested in the, what was happening in the behind the scenes as well, not just the singing, um, because for me, it was so clear that none of the singing can happen if, you know, all this, the magic behind the scenes um, isn't, uh, you know, happening and, and all these consistent yeah, it's all part of, I mean, to me, you know, as a newcomer to opera and landing in a school like that, uh, where I, I couldn't be in the opera yet because they don't let you audition until you're older. So I started working backstage. I was an assistant stage manager. And for me, my first definition of opera ended up being seeing those two sides very clear. And as I was seeing that so clearly, I noticed that not everyone was, you know, so it kind of became a little bit of my mission throughout the years to um, highlight this and to keep, because I felt that the more I learned uh, from every angle of what's happening in, in front of the stage, you know, from the audience watching shows, working behind the scenes, cleaning the stage, I've done it all because I felt the more I learned from that end too, the more once I stood on stage, I felt confident and I understood and appreciated everything that had to happen for me to be able to sing on that stage. And um, once I finished school and moved to New York, um, you know, this very much, this, all of this that had been brewing inside of me, these ideas kind of, exploded into um, this social media channel called 360 of opera, 360 degrees of opera. 
And uh, so I started this after Barcelona, this was in 2016. And it's been growing and evolving. It's a blog. We have interviews. Um, I collaborate with a lot of organizations. And it's been an amazing ride, you know, and it very much informs um, my artistry also as a performer. That is beautiful because, I mean, I was now thinking there was a musicologist named Christopher Small who developed a concept of music. Have you heard of that? Okay. I don't music. think so. It's a verb. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And music involves all the elements and all the people involved in the creation of music, even the person who cleans the stage, as you were mentioning, the person who sells the ticket to accompany you to the uh, seat, and the, the same in part of the music as, as uh, of the music in same important as the as the performance so it's a concept there's a book right because I'll, I'll check it out because it's all part of an experience music is an experience music doesn't exist unless it gets to your ears <laughs> and it's an experience created by an ecosystem of many yes. uh, agents who create this whole event absolutely so yes. we are all music I need to, is this, this is a book? I need to find it. Yes, 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 that's <laughs> beautiful. As a, as a concept, it's beautiful because also um, in this music, in the uh, auditors, the, the audience is also part of this. So you, you are part of the music in the, the musical world of the, the making music is also Absolutely. the person who are hearing at us is part of this an important and essential part of it as same as the absolutely because it yeah because the yeah the music becomes a reality once it reaches the objective right and the way people are hearing it or perceiving is going to depend on which hall you're singing in which medium you're you know if you're hearing from a recording um the person's the audience's background you know that 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 changes the music because the way they're receiving it and understanding it will vary. Uh, so that's why it's also so important to uh, educate our audiences, you know, and to do outreach so people know that, you know, for example, all of this other repertoire also exists and they're exposed to it because the more exposed to it they are, the more interested and the more knowledgeable they're going to be and the more they're going to want to consume it so it's all a circle it's of life a, it's a community of a, a community event music yes it cannot be conceived uh, isolated it's something made yeah. of a community and that's beautiful because it's kind of i always think and feel and have felt during all my life that music is my 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 best friend is something that never fails, always in good times, bad times. I always have music with me. Yeah. Things can disappear, but music is always with me. So this is something that is a pressure that we have as musicians, but that we can communicate and share with other people as we yeah. are doing through social networks. Yeah, yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. I know. We could be talking here forever. Okay. And ever. <laughs> yeah. 
Muy bien, tan bonito. I admire very much what you are doing also because you, I mean, it's, it's important that musicians see that sometimes musicians who are by nature very creative people, they are castrated at universities and conservatories that only limitate themselves to do something and they don't explore the many avenues of their creativity because we are essentially creative people and yes. so we can express our creativity through singing through writing through social networks through community events i mean many 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 ways that i cannot even think yeah that's something that you are showing clear uh, clearly in what the yeah. activity you are doing Mm -hmm. What I think is very important, and um, I think it has to come from uh, the students themselves and from the institutions, you know, it takes two to tango, um, but um, I think this idea that uh, we have to be good uh, artistic, artistic citizens, you know, if you're an artist, artist is a broad term. You, you should strive to be more than just a musician that plays an instrument um, because being an artist comes with a social responsibility yes. and, you, and you can't expect for everything to just work perfectly. And if you practice a lot, you're just going to be great and people are going to hand you contracts and that's it. Maybe that will happen, but even... If that happens and then you're a very celebrated musician, you still have, you have a voice and you have a social responsibility and you have to use that voice, not just, you know, as your instrument, but to, you know, the arts can change the world. And that's part of our job. And I take that job very seriously. That's true. And I, I see it, Eugenia, and I support it. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm very proud that you are one of the, Barcelona Festival of Song Alumni Ambassadors. Yes, I'm very proud to, to be an ambassador and thank you so much for this invitation. This program and, and that summer meant so, so much to me and, and I'm very proud to be able to, to help and represent the organization. Muchas gracias, Eugenia, de verdad. Gracias a ti, Patricia. Sí, y bueno, yo creo que ya nuestro programa. Podríamos seguir hablando hasta mañana. Yes, we could continue talking here forever because we have many interesting things to change, exchange and talk about. But for today, amigos, I only uh, take advantage of inviting you to follow Eugenia in her social networks. Uh, and I have to remember that this program is brought to you thanks to the support of the Barcelona Festival of Song, a summer program of Latin American and Iberian art song repertoire. It's also brought to you thanks to Mundo Arts Publications, a publisher of scores of Latin American and Iberian vocal music, and thanks to the support of the Center for Iberian and Latin American Music of the University of California, Rivers. And I invite you for the next Wednesday to connect, to discover another fantastic guest to talk about the Latin American and Iberian arts on world, culture, music, etc., etc., etc. 
por ahora nos despedimos en español, Eugenia. Sí. Palabras en español. Gracias a todos por, por eh, escuchar, por estar con nosotros hoy eh, y sigan conectándose los miércoles y muchas gracias Patricia por todo lo que haces, eh, por este repertorio y por nosotros, por los cantantes y los estudiantes de esta música maravillosa. ¡Ay, tan linda! Gracias a ti, Eugenia. Pues, adiós. Adiós, un beso enorme.